it's a great Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I'm just thankful for you all being here today. Our sermon today is Excuse. We've been in our series Rise. Our first uh, sermon in our series sermon was Rose. That our life is like a rose. Many times we're going to go through some things and we're going to go through some thorns, but God is providing us that rose. He is working with us, providing that rose. And then we went to I, the I in us, the things that we're struggling with, the I, what we are. Then we went to our S, that we were stained with sin, but God, Jesus Christ, was working that he was saying, I'm going to make you white as snow. And so now we're on E. And E is excused. Excused. We're coming out of John 3, 16 through 18. And let me read that for y'all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall, have, uh, shall not perish but have everlasting life. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Now, many of us know John 3.16 is one of those scriptures that everybody knows. You know, the most person that never goes to church. They say, I don't even go on Mother's Day. Easter, what? Christmas, what? But I know John 3.16. Monday Night Football provides John 3.16. Uh, wrestling provides John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. You might not know all the words, but you know, John 3.16, that sounds familiar. Is that a street? They know something about John 3.16. And so it's the most probably famous verse in the Bible because it's been everywhere. But it's a lot that goes with John 3.16. And let's get the background to it. The background to it is that Nicodemus was coming. He was one of those Pharisees. And the Pharisees were against Jesus. And so he wants to know about Jesus, but he can do it in broad daylight. So he came to Jesus at night where his disciples were, and he wanted to know, as it says here, I want to learn from you. What, what is going on, Jesus? What's going on here? And Jesus began to talk to him and say that you must be born again. Now Nicodemus was like, I need to get back my mama's womb. And Jesus, I, I'm sure Jesus looked at him now, now you, you know I ain't saying that. I think many times Jesus had to look at folk like, really? That's what you're going to answer back? But you know we all have those moments, right? Like, you know I ain't talking about that. But when Jesus said, he says, no, not by flesh. Not to be reborn by flesh, but be reborn by the Spirit. And so he gets to the climax of this, and he said, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus proclaimed who he was in this verse. He proclaimed that he was the son of God in this verse. He proclaimed his ministry in this verse. He proclaimed his ministry, his mission in this verse. He also proclaimed really his death in this verse. And he proclaimed, if you believe on me, you're going to have everlasting life. And then he says after this verse, but if you don't believe, you are already condemned. He was given, he talked about his identity, he talked about everything within this verse. That's why someone, many call it the mini gospel. He lays it out for you right here. 
There's no mistaking. He's not shaking or faking it. He ain't trying to hide around the bush. He's trying to give it to you straight and plain. And so here, for God so loved the world. Well, the first thing that we have to know, our first point is that God loves. For God so loved. For God so loved the world. Now, I don't know about y'all, but many of us, don't we have issues with love, especially in our English vocabulary? When we hear love, we say, I love McDonald's french fries. And use that same word, love, I love my husband or my wife. Do you love your husband and your wife as much as those french fries? Don't answer that. <laughs> but you should not love the french fry as much as you love your children or your husband or your wife. Or, or your, you know, it should be a different scale. But our English, English language is so very new, so we had to get in that Greek. And the Greek here, for God so loved, it said he unconditionally, agape, he unconditionally, unlimited, loved this world. And world means all of us. World does not mean Jewish people. It does not mean black people. It does not mean white people. It means the world. So God unconditionally loved all of us. God unconditionally is not based upon who you were born to, where you were born, who was your zip code, who was your daddy, who was your mama, what have you done, what kind of education are you about to get, or do you have, what kind of tithe that you bring into the church? No. He said, I unconditionally love you, not when you were born, but when I was knitting, talking about God, knitting you in your mother's womb. I started loving you then. I love you before your mama and daddy knew you. I love you before your mama could rub her belly and know something was in there. I love you before then. So God loved me unconditionally before I was even breathing outside my mother's womb. And then God loved me even when I'm in hot mess. Amen? If we all could tell our closet, we were like, oh. It'd be like, oh, really? You did that? And God says, I know what you did, and I so loved you. I so loved you. It doesn't matter how crack house that you could have been in, or in the club that you could have been in, or who's ever bed that you could have been in, or whoever cussed you out, or you ever cussed them out, or whoever you stole from. He says, I love you. You can't shake his love. And so, we have to sometimes imagine, what if God didn't love us? What would this world really look like? Last night, the DA out of Kaufman County was killed in his house, him and his wife. See, folks is going crazy. You can't even go and defend the law anymore or prosecute the law while people are trying to come into your house now. Now, he's the third within a matter of two months getting killed at the job. At the houses. Evil is surrounding us and chasing after us. But imagine if God's love was not trying to battle that. How dark really would the world be? How unguided would the world be? But you know what? We have to look at every breath that we take, every sunrise that we see, that's God's love. Every time that you see something coming in your bank account, that's God's love. 
Every time you are having something to put it in your refrigerator, that's God's love. Every time you can put something and pull up the Exxon or Chevron and put something in your gas tank, that's God's love. But you know what's God's love? When you have the bill collector calling too, and you don't know how to pay the bill, but somehow Jehovah Jireh shows up and provides. That's God's love. It's God's love even when you're going through the storm, even when your marriage is stressed out and almost won't be put out. It's still God's love in the midst. It's still God's love when your kids are acting up and acting crazy and not doing right. It's still God's love. God's love penetrates the darkness, the dark places of our life. Many times we want to give God's love just to the the best things. Well, I got $1,000 in my bank account. No, God's love also is a blessing when I got a dollar in there too. And it's still a blessing when I got negative. $50 $50 in the bank account. You know why? Because I have a God that says he will provide my daily bread. He's going to provide my needs. Even when the bank account says negative 100. And I surely ain't going to go to Bank of America then and talk about, can I get some money? But that's God's love. God has made you and me special. For a special purpose. For a special destiny. Each and every person that has been created, he has a plan for us. He talks about, I have a plan to prosper you. But God desires to be sought after. He wants us to seek after him. There was a, a, a man talking this week that he does not understand why he can't find the passion with God. And the man told, uh, that he was talking to told him back, you don't have to bring the passion to God. God's bring the passion to you. It's not that the prodigal son was running to the father. Remember, the father was running to the prodigal son. If we get more into our word, the passion will unravel itself in our life. But many times, when we don't see the passion, we're not in our word. When we don't see the passion, we're not in our church. When we're not in the passion, we're feeling everything else except for God. And so, that's our first point. So he loves us, now he gives. It says, he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our darkest, when we didn't know, now understand, we didn't have to go and make a deal before and then Christ did what he did. No, Christ did that unsolicited. Christ did that without us saying, Lord, will you die for us? Christ did that with no one asking except for his father. Christ did it out of obedience and love. If he was depending upon us first to say, well, I want to be saved. And now will you die for me, Jesus? Who would get the glory? You know, we would take that. Wouldn't we? We would take that. And this is what God's saying. No, I loved you when you didn't even know you needed to be loved. I loved you when you spat in my face. I loved you when you didn't want to have anything to do with me. And understand, his son was sent to what? A poor family, amen? His son was sent to the Bontons of the area. His son was sent to, to the South Dallas of the area. His son was sent to the Harlem, the Bronx, the South Central. He was not sent to Highland Park. He was born in a manger. That means we were struggling. He was born and raised in Nazareth. That means we were struggling. He was born to a carpenter. He was not, the carpenter did not have an agency he worked for. That meant he worked with his hands. He was struggling. He said, 
A fox has a hole, a bird has a nest, but the son of man, talking about himself, has no place to lay his head. That means Jesus was living day by day, house by house. He didn't have a house to go to. So Jesus was on a struggle. He is struggling just like we are. Jesus did not have $1,000 while he was living on this earth in a bank account. He was living day by day. When they asked him to pay the taxes, he went into the fish's mouth and got the coin out. He didn't roll out no big wad. Jesus understands and is acquainted with our griefs. That's why you want that type of Savior. Because when you have a type of Savior that's only been in Highland Park, how you know how I've been struggling? He's been acquainted with grief. Joseph, his adoptive father, died. He was acquainted with grief. He knows what it means for folks to leave out. He was betrayed by his own disciples, who he spent time with. And when the time got tough, who got running? Who was around? All the men left, and none but the women staying. Now, I don't know about you. I'm glad we got a lot of women in the audience, but we got to go fight the Roman guard. I need me a couple dudes, too. But all the men left, and John is sitting in the back kind of quiet. He's going to be quiet through the whole time. And only Peter, you know Peter got to talk. And Peter's going to be the only one. And when asked, are you, you one of them. Oh, no, not me. Because he saw what was starting to happen to his Savior, to his Lord. He was starting to get beat up. He was starting to get accused. And Peter had enough sense. I don't think this is going to go the right way. I think they about to go deal with him. And I don't think he's just going to get bailed out of jail real quick. So I don't know him. Because I think they about to go kill him. I don't know him. And on that third know him, that when that cock crow. Now he cried, but he also knew. Jesus was about to, to, to die. But he did not understand the full value of it. Because see, when, he, when God gave his son, he didn't give his son just to live with us. And remember, he lived with us for 33 years. 33 years he lived with us. 33 years he went through a process of being raised by us, by being with us, by eating with us, by being in poverty with us, by struggling with us. Nazareth is called the city of garbage. So he struggled through it. When Joseph died, you know he had to pick up the, 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 the value and the wages in the family because Mary can't but do but so much. So he's doing all of this, and he struggled with us, but he went through a process. Many of us would have said, well, why couldn't God just have you born and just die the next day? That was not God's. That's not what God does. God works through a process with us. Now, my church know I got on that little prayer list, me to lose. Me to lose the weight. All right, we don't talk all about that too much. But like I told them, it's a process. If you see anybody weigh one thing one day and the next thing they ain't lost 50, 100 pounds, you're like, you sick? Because that's not natural. Even in our minds, we know you're supposed to go through a process. Jesus went through a process for us. And then within that last couple of hours of his life, he went through an intense process. And it's so intense, before he went through it, he prayed to his father, if you can remove the cup, 
because the cup is going to be heavy. It's more than just getting beat up. It's more than just having the stripes on my back. But Lord, you're going to have to remove, you're going to have to distance yourself from me because I got to put on all sin. And you are a holy God. You are a perfect and holy, pure God. So when I put on all this sin, you can't be amongst it. So I had to suffer. Not that I did anything, because every person he went to, what has the man really done? Well, I, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Folks want to start to wash your hands, like that's going to do something. I don't want to be a part of this. That's when the people said, well, put it on us and put it on my children. Because they knew of the injustice that they were going to do. And they even tried to play a game. Well, if I put it out this bad murderer, I know y'all don't come to your senses. Oh, no. We thirsting for blood. And it's Jesus' blood. Bring the murderer out and let him go. He can murder some more folks of us. But we're going to take the man who's innocent and crucify him. But that's the process he had to go through. That no one would be with him. And understand, his family did not understand. Have you ever been in that situation? Not even your family had your back? His family even did not understand. James, who later wrote a book, who later was a church leader, did not know that his half-brother was truly the son of God until after he rose from the grave. His mother did, said she pondered the mother did not know that Jesus truly his whole purpose. She didn't understand. She, it always talks about she pondered. It didn't say she knew. Because if she knew, at age 12, she wouldn't try to get on him. She was like, yeah, you should do your father's business. No, she didn't fully understand everything. Because there was nobody like Jesus before sin. Samson was not like Jesus. Isaac was not like Jesus. No one can be like Jesus. So Mary was in a special predicament. No one understood what Jesus was about. So he was alone. And he carried that cross. But before he carried the cross, they beat him. They beat him. They beat him. But you know why? See, God has a divine purpose. You're not going through anything for nothing. God said, by his stripes, we are healed. See, there had to be some stripes upon Jesus for my healing to start. And they beat him. And they beat him. And they beat him. They beat him so badly that when he was trying to carry the cross, it had to be a brother. It was one of us out in the crowd. We had to be there somewhere. And we were there. And they said, come on, help him carry the cross. Because the man got beat so bad. He has a crown of thorns on his head. He's bleeding to death, basically. They said, brother, come on, carry this cross. Now, remember, the cross was a thing what, of curse. It was something that the most wretched criminal was supposed to take on. But that's how bad we were. We were a wretched, wretched thing. And God said, I love you. I loved you. I've always loved you. That's why I gave my son. There was no ram in the bush for my son. There was nothing else I could have did except send my son. There's no one else I could have sent to die on the cross except my son. There's no one else. There's, no, there's not going to be any other prophets. There's not going to be any other way. There's only going to be my son. He's going to die for you. And he's just not going to die in his sleep. He's got to be punished. It says in Romans 8, that chapter, it says he took 
his son to slaughter. He took his son to be slaughtered for us. How much the man must love us, how much this God must love us to say to his son, I'm going to slaughter you so that these people who hate me can be free. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My son has my name. He is my junior. I would not give up anything for him. Not, not for, uh, that's my boy. My boy, is, that's my boy. Now, I love my little girl. I love both my children. I'm not going to sacrifice them for folks that hate me. How many other mothers are going to sacrifice their kids for folks that hate you? You ain't going to even let them work for folks that hate you. Not talking about sacrifice. You ain't going to let them do 10 minutes of work at somebody's house and they only hate you. But he says, I'm going to put my son to die for you. Because I love you. I loved you before I formed Adam. I created this whole world for you. And then with Adam, I created him have the dirt. I formed him with my hands. And you know what I did? I put my very breath into the nostrils of Adam. And when I knew Adam didn't have a mate, I put Adam to sleep. And like, like some of us who wake up from surgery, you got to have you some more drugs. Adam didn't have to have no drugs because God was a good doctor, a good surgeon. He formed out of that rib a mate and gave him one man. He gave him a perfect place to be. But when they failed and said, I want to be like you, God, he said, that's all right. I got a story to tell, a love story to tell you. You rejected me, you denied me, but I'm giving you my son in 2,000 years. I'm giving you my son. It's going to be told throughout the story. When you see the rest, he split, and they walk on dry land. That's me freeing my people from slavery and showing them there is a promised land. We were free from the slavery of sin, and we have the promised land through Jesus Christ. He loves us. He loves us. And so he gave us his only begotten son. Let me give y'all a test. Some of y'all are going to say, well, if I live a good life, isn't that not enough? Well, has anybody, shown a, uh, has anybody been at work, and you might have took your paper clip from work, a pen, some paper, post-it notes. Uh, has anybody been, well, we don't put the church house on. Has anybody been at somebody's house? Well, they ain't probably going to need that. And you don't even ask them. And you just take, even if you took a swallow of water and you turn the faucet on, because you understand water does cost money. <laughs> ain't no water free. If the government ever figure how to make air charge, they're going to do it. So when you turn the water on without asking, you really will steal it. Because you didn't give them a nickel for the water. And when you use that toilet, did you ask? To flush cost too. But you didn't ask. So we all have been thieves. All right? So we all been thieves. Has anybody, has anyone not told a lie? Even my daughter told a lie. And she's about to turn three. Okay. Has anyone ever used the Lord name in vain? Even we say, mm, dog. That's using the Lord name in vain. It is. You're not supposed to use mm, dog. No. That's God's name. You know, we will reframe it. Gosh darn it. 
or, or I say dog man. But the truth of what I'm trying to say is mm, dog or harsher than dog. So we all have been there. So we all use the Lord's name in vain. Then it talks about that I should not commit adultery. Now my brothers in the audience, there's a magazine swimsuit issue of Sports Illustrated. You don't have to pick it up anymore these days. You just be in a grocery store and it's in your face. Now, some brothers, we're taking a second look. <laughs> At that point in time, we have lusted. My ladies, have y'all watched uh, Flight or uh, Training Day? Or, or okay, okay. <laughs> or or uh, woman with a blue dress, or he got game, or any other Denzel Washington movie, or if I play Boris Cujo or whatever his name is, and you take that, mm, 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 you had lusted. So we all have been in this game, and have anybody, any of us have talked on our breath when our parents have said, you need to clean that up. I wish you clean that up. You have not honored your parent, your mother and father. Now we can keep going down the list because some of us have, man, I wish I had that car. Right now I have a problem as a friend who I graduated law school with. Y'all probably know the commercial. Girl, you got, you, I just got here. We graduated at the same class, the same day, took the same bar exam. This brother got a Range Rover. I got my Ford Ranger. He got 2012, I got 2002. So I have a little problem because it's not envious of what he has. I'm like, should I be there? And see, but that goes back into coveting. You see what I'm saying? We all, so, so if you were going to say, we're going to live a good life, you can try it, but you're not going to make it. You're going to break the rule. And understand, every faith and the truth is, no bridge reaches God except for one, and that's Jesus Christ. Because I want to jump to we believe, and I want to kind of get to this. No faith is like our faith. Judaism, which some would say is the foundation to our faith, which in some ways is really not. Because in Judaism, they believe, the true Judaism now, today, believe if I live a good moral life, I, I pray and I repent of my sins, that means I turn away, stop doing bad, then that's enough. No, you need Jesus Christ. Every faith that you have is going to talk about some work that you can do to get you to heaven. When we have Buddhism, we have certain things in Buddhism. It talks about um, there are four ways to, to, to try to get to paradise. And you got to do this and do that and do this. And the truth is, you're not going to be able to do it. And if you could do it, meantime what we're saying, including our brothers in Islam, when you're saying I can work my way to heaven, you're saying that the debt is not so high I can pay it off myself. And I'm going to tell you the debt is high. And if, you, if it's dependent upon our work, well, who judges the work? We know folk at our job who make the same paycheck that we make and they don't work as hard as we do. Or maybe vice versa, we don't work as hard as they do. But they're making the same paycheck. It doesn't make sense, right? Because, see, we both are doing the work, 
but you're not going to be able to pay it off. And so in our faith, this is the thing. Our faith is about grace. It's about just believing in Jesus Christ. It's nothing that you can do except believing that's going to get you to heaven. There's nothing that you can do. Nothing. You can be the best person, Mother Teresa. But that's not going to get you to heaven. That's why Jesus says, when the man comes to him, I prophesied, I have sang in the choir, I, I've been a preacher. But he says, but I never knew you. Jesus wants a relationship with us. He does not want religion. He does not want some habit. He wants a relationship with us. The other faith, the other religions, you don't have to have a relationship. You just got to work it. Keep working, keep working. But you know how devastating it is to know you work so hard you don't get that paycheck that you thought you were going to get? How many of us have that? When you, you've been working hard and you think you're going to get a bonus, and they're like, oh, yeah, it was in the budget. <laughs> and you want to tell them, I got something in the budget. But that's what the other faiths do. You have worked so hard, but it is not going to pay your way into heaven. It's not going to pay your way into paradise. It's only going to leave you short because it never is going to be in the budget. But I can tell you what is. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he paid it all. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he put all our sins, from drug use to cussing out folks, to, to smoking, to drinking, to whatever you want to do, fornicating, whatever you want to say. He put it on himself. And he died on that cross. And when you believe in Christ, that old man that you had died there. But they put him in a borrowed tomb. And I love that. Because, see, when you don't have to stay somewhere, you just need a rent. It was a borrowed tomb. And he will put there, and our sins will put up in there, and he left. And our sins will left there. When he left out, he got up with all power. He was alive. Because he lives, we live. And so all we have to do is just believe. So then we go from he loved us, he gave us his son, we need to believe, we live. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We can talk about heaven. You know what's the best thing about heaven? It's not the gold streets. And, and yes, there will be no death, no sorrow. There won't be any anguish. There won't be any bigotry. There won't be any of that. You know the best thing about heaven? The God that loved you before your mother knew you will be there. You know the worst thing about hell? It's not the hell fire. It's not, it's not the gnashing of the teeth. It's not that you're going to be with a whole bunch of other bad people, understand there are good people in hell. That's not the worst part about hell. The worst part about hell, God will not be there. The God that's loved you. There's some women in here who have had broken hearts because of some jokers. Am I right? There's some men in here who have the same thing. We mess with some joker women. And they broke our hearts. And we loved them so much, but they never loved us back. You have a God that loves you. He loved you when you didn't even know him. He loves you. He loves you so much, he pains when you are in pain. He cries when you are crying. He hurts when you hurt. That's why he says, I wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's why he says, there ain't going to be no more sorrows when you're with me. 
That's why Jesus says, I prepare a place. I prepare a place for you. That's that Jesus. That's that God. And so that's why we can say, I'm excused. I'm excused. I'm excused. All the lust I had, I'm excused. All that gluttony that I had, amen, I'm excused. The greed that I had, I want more, I want more, I'm excused. The slothfulness, the laziness that I've been having, I'm excused. The wrath and the anger, I'm excused. Because Jesus has been painted all. The envy, the jealousness I've had of other people, I'm excused. Because Jesus has painted all. The pride that I have, you know it said pride come before the fall, but that pride that I had, Jesus said you are excused because I paid it all. When you see that lying tongue that I had, telling you, well, I got it all. Yes, I, I, I got this and I got that. Or I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I was over here, baby. I'm going to be coming home in a little bit. That lying that I've been doing, Jesus says it's excused because I paid it all. And then that, thief, that thieving hand that I had, stealing, and you can steal love, you can steal possessions, you can steal so much in this world. And he says, I paid it all. And whatever selfishness that I have, my children always show this to me, that selfishness to one another. He says, I paid it all. And you know when in the end, all of us have some type of addiction. All of us have some type of struggle. All of us have something that we just want to just go to. And you, he's saying this, I paid it all. Whatever drug addiction, food addiction, addiction to anger, addiction to pornography, addiction to just want to lay up in a bed and feel sorry for yourself, whatever addiction you have, whatever slavery you thought you had in sin, I broke all the chains. Who Jesus has set free is free indeed. That's what Jesus has done. I'm excused. And so in the end, Jesus is saying this. If there's anybody who wants to come out and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if there's anyone that wants to come out and say, Lord, what must I do to become saved? I will tell you, come down now. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. All you have to do is say, I accept him in my heart as my Lord and Savior. He is the one I have totally. That's my Lord. But if you don't have a church home and you are a Christian, come to victory. We are a place about victory through Christ. We're about true victory. It may not look like victory to everybody else, but understand, there's one day we're going to be in heaven shouting because the victory that you've been having on this, because God is taking care of the spot and wrinkle of your life. That means he's taking care of the external and the internal things of your life. And then if you just need to come down for prayer, because you're praying for a breakthrough. You, some, some of, there's some women in here who may be praying for the, the father of their children. Lord, I'm not asking you to bring him to be a father, but I'm asking you to make him a godly man. I'm asking you to open his heart. Some of us are praying for family members who are scattered out, who've been in the streets, who, who say, yeah, I know the Lord, but when they're living, it don't look like no Lord is in them. But you've been praying for them. This is a place to pray. If you say, I just need to pray for myself because I know I've been out there. I know I've been acting wild. I know I have backslidden from what I was taught as a young child. This is the day to do it. There's no better day to do it than the day that Jesus Christ got up with all power. Because the power that he has, he wants to give it to you. He wants to give it in abundance. So why not today? 
You can say, well, I'll do it next time. You may not have next time. Last night, that DA, that DA of Kaufman County thought he was going to work on Monday. His whole family gone. You do not have even this afternoon promise. So why not now? Why not now? I love what Sister Dan told me. We got to start getting our mind made up. Because we, what, what we living for? We living for Friday night? You got to keep going back to Friday night. And keep going back to Friday night. Because Friday night is not filling you up. You want to live for the drugs? It's not filling you up. You want to live for the bottle? It's not filling you up. You want to live for the female or the male? It's not filling you up. But I know a fellow rapper. And that's Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, somebody yeah. who will fill up your gas tank. Yeah, yeah, and when you yeah, get a little empty, he fills it back up. Yeah, and there's yeah, no charge at all. You're not going to be decreased. He keeps bringing you up. He's only going to build you up and build you up and build you up. So why not now? Because you have been excused if you know Jesus Christ. You've been excused from the penalty of death. You've been excused. So why not take your excuse slip and say, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.